welcome to another episode of Ordinary Old Catholic Me. So, here it is, Friday evening, close to Friday night, 7 o'clock, as I begin and I plan on ending this recording because tomorrow is going to be a day in which I won't be able to do much as far as this podcast goes, except perhaps to publish it. And it may turn out to be, as last week's almost was, a shorter version of the podcast. It's important to me, though, to always publish it every week, and I've been doing it now for just over a year. I think I began this podcast on May the 5th of 2020, just somewhat in the beginning of the COVID-19 lockdown pandemic. Not only did I want to do something that merged two of my favorite things, radio-type broadcasting, of course, totally different from what it was 40 years ago, and also my faith, but I also, I think, at that point, needed to blow off some steam because of all the craziness that was beginning at that point and has followed us into the next year. We're into May of 2021, so it's been over a year. I have to say that I feel very blessed because for someone who has never podcast before and given the incredible number of podcasts out there and this being rather a narrow area of discourse that I actually have over 1400 downloads since May of 2020. That's quite good to me given my age. It's a little late for fame and fortune but I like the fact that there are some friends and some people who have been told about the program by their friends that they're listening and they may not always agree with me, but it's nice to have that engagement and that we're all thinking about our spiritual futures. Now, right now, you may be hearing some noise in the background because I've been so busy and because I'm trying to do five things at once. I'm actually doing some laundry in the background that needs to be done and dried. It can't be in the dryer by tomorrow. Now, of course, back in the day, this kind of noise in the background without having all the soundproofing was was anathema, anathema. But um, I'm just an ordinary soul, an ordinary Catholic, an ordinary soul in my little apartment, in my little dining room, which is also partly my studio and my desk sometimes. I have a desk, but I use this as a desk too. And uh, sometimes I munch here too. So it's an all-purpose dining room. And given that fact, I'm hoping that you will forgive me for being somewhat informal in terms of the noise in the background. I admit that this particular episode, long or short, is going to be a bit of a, I don't know if I use the word rant but maybe close to a rant. We'll see. It'll be a bit of an ordinary Catholic's verbal phasering of a Catholic news event that is driving me crazy, that has been driving me crazy, and I've talked about in other episodes, but it came up again this week. So, as we know, President Joe Biden is nominally a Catholic, but he is probably one of the most pro-abortion presidents we've ever had in the last many years. The last administration, the very much hated administration, the still hated administration, though he's been gone, is one that was incredibly pro-life. Of course, that led to the peculiar idea of 
proportionality that allowed Catholics to vote for other than that administration or anyone like that administration. And now we are stuck nationally, morally, politically, and Catholicly with this person's view on a key issue. And then you'll hear, well, but there are other issues. Yeah, there are other issues, but this one is a biggie. This has to do with the life and death of children. Now, if you're going to continue to deny that these are children, well, then we really don't have any common ground. But those of you who've been telling the rest of us to follow the science when we thought the science was a little bit murky when it came to the area of COVID, well, if you follow this science, it's without a doubt a life at a very, very early stage inside the womb. Okay, so what's getting me going? Well, Several of the rather brave bishops in the United States had been talking about basically doing some kind of formal denial of communion to Joe Biden, should he and perhaps his other colleagues, also Catholics. It's pretty depressing that pretty much all the Catholics in our policy areas are basically anti the key aspects of the faith. and being lauded as the perfect Catholics by the secular media. So these bishops were about to do something that we used to call ordinary, speaking of ordinary, but now it's considered very brave because their own leaders, cardinals, the Vatican, seem to have a very different opinion over what they ought to do. There was basically a letter that went from the Vatican I think it was the Congregation of the Doctrine of the Faith, which is interesting in and of itself because somehow or another, it seems that the faith is getting twisted here a bit, but okay. So the letter goes out, I believe it goes to the USCCB and says, hold on guys, we gotta dialogue some more. Don't do anything hasty. This is my paraphrasing of what I read. And of course the secular media in discussing all of this says, well, you know, we're talking about who the church thinks is worthy of receiving communion, and that's sort of a murky area that, you know, maybe the church shouldn't be deciding who's worthy. Of course, one is put in mind, again, of that almost cliche at this point, uh, book uh, of 1984. You know, the, the concept of doublespeak, the concept of presenting something completely deceptive as truth and then forcing people, either through brainwashing or perhaps ultimately torture, into believing this deception as truth. So, for example, in that book, there's one phrase that is posted around, I think, in, in Winston's society. Winston being the poor soul ends up being completely destroyed by the Orwellian society in which he's living. But one of the signs is, freedom is slavery. Well, truthfully, that's a bold-faced lie. But people are forced or compelled by the complete and utter propaganda that goes around them into buying that. A good socialist will believe that freedom is slavery. Dennis Prager, whom I respect, I know a lot of people don't, but I do, and I think a lot of people do, would say to you that it is more natural for human beings to want to be taken care of and told what to do than it is to be free and to be individuals. 
And so, in a society like the one in Orwell's society, the one he wrote about, the threat to a person who's independent, who wants to do things on his own, because remember, one of the major concepts of the United States was that small government and the individual and the states lead their lives and do things in community, but not a community which is governed by the state and where the state controls every part of your being. We're going in the direction of freedom as slavery. And what's interesting about that is that the people who will control us will themselves be free to do as they will, and you and I will be able to do nothing except say, yes, I hear you, I do what you say. And then, interestingly, the same people who think that everything should be controlled in government are the people who complain about the church and its belief system and the magisterium and the idea that there are objective truths. The difference between them and the church is that the church believes the truths are objective. The government calls them objective, but in fact they are subjective and only compelled by the power that they have. So here's a quote from 1984. There are many good quotes from 1984. I recommend it to your reading. I was looking for it again last night. I know I have it here somewhere. I haven't read it recently, but I recommend it because we are living in 1984 in 2021. Here's the quote. In the end, the party would announce that two and two made five, and you would have to believe it. It was inevitable that they should make that claim sooner or later. The logic of their position demanded it not merely the validity of experience, but the very existence of external reality was tacitly denied by their philosophy. So how does that translate in this recent event that we can't really tell Joe Biden that he's not allowed to receive communion? It basically denies the actual reality, the objective reality, that abortion is a moral wrong. And if you say that it's good and you're going to promote it, as a matter of legislation, of policy, of jurisprudence, then you are denying external reality and forcing that denial on the rest of the public. And certainly, even more so, on the believer who is still trying to live by the objective reality. And then the bishops are told, you cannot enforce that which is objective truth. People say, oh, no, it's human truth. No, it's the truth from the beginning of the church, from the time that Jesus Christ founded it. Chelsea Clinton may find that abortion is somehow biblical as a good, but it ain't in there. And frankly, if common sense, if the truth, if external reality governed, she would know that taking the life of the child a separate being within the mother's womb is in fact taking a life. The reality is that not one of us Catholics is worthy of receipt of communion ever. Not even after we've received the sacrament of reconciliation. We continue to be fallen creatures who are inclined toward evil, though created by God and thus basically good. The disobedience inclines us towards evil, and we are suffering from that inclination all through time. That's what 
God redeemed us from. So in a way, it's not about worthiness per se. What it's about is the recognition of those who are Catholic, of the teachings of the church, which they are a member of, and where they fail. So if, for example, someone does have an abortion, but once that has happened, there is a recognition of the wrong, the recognition of the sin, and they go to confession, and they rectify their lives. The wrong was done. It's there. It will always be there. It's part of one's life. But the regret, the rectification, the, the prayer for the grace to sin no more, to have the intent, which of course doesn't necessarily mean we won't sin, but the intent, the promise, the effort with grace not to sin anymore, that's what allows us to receive communion. What is it that we say at the end of confession before we are forgiven via the mediation of the priest by God? Oh my God, I am heartily sorry for having offended you and I detest all my sins because of thy just punishment, but most of all because they offend thee who are worthy of all my love. I firmly resolve with the help of thy grace to sin no more and to avoid the near occasion of sin. So the difference is that someone who says, in this case, let's say Joe Biden, because all of his policies are directed towards basically suppressing those who believe in the truths of the church, does not believe in the truths of the church. Certainly this one he doesn't believe in. Not only does he not believe in it, he's absolutely acting against life. So if I suddenly became pro-choice and said, you know what, clearly people in our leadership positions, the bishops don't seem to feel that there's anything to be done about this. They clearly mustn't really believe that it's a wrong. Otherwise, it's a simple matter of saying, no, you cannot receive communion if you are advocating abortion as a policy of the nation. If he can do that, then I, you, any Catholic can simply dismiss anything that our church teaches and present ourselves for communion and be able to say with very great ferociousness, you have no right, Catholic priest, in telling me I can't receive communion. To say that this is demoralizing to the ordinary Catholic is to be an understatement. You virtually, as a Catholic, have to ignore the leaders of your own church and simply skip over into the eternal truths that are taught and have been taught from the beginning of the church history, all through the church fathers, all through the various councils, all through the various catechisms, like the Catechism of the Council of Trent, for example. And basically, make your your view very narrow in terms of Jesus founded the church, the truths are these, the sacraments are these, and ignore everything else. And certainly ignore the human beings, except the ones who are actually advocating what the church teaches. Why do we as human beings feel that we must get an authority to say what we're doing is okay? I don't get that because if God exists, 
he's not going to say it's okay. And boy, the outcome is going to be pretty dramatic. I was talking about doublespeak a little while ago. This is how I see what is happening in terms of telling the very brave bishops to hold the phone, don't, let's dialogue some more. We've been dialoguing since the 1960s, and we looked like the church is paring itself down to a bare nub, or at least the people who are practicing. As we know, the church itself will survive. The church of Jesus Christ will survive. The gates of hell shall not prevail against it. It sure doesn't feel like that, sure doesn't look like that, but that is the promise, and that's part of one of the eternal truths. But in terms of what we were talking about in doublespeak, what this says to me is that sin is actually sanctity. We are actually getting to a point where Catholics will not be allowed to speak the truths of their church. That will be considered anti-society. So any Catholic who says abortion is wrong will probably find themselves on the wrong end of the law. I hope that's not true. I hope the Supreme Court, such as it is, will somehow at some point become brave itself and actually not try to avoid ruling on things or ruling purely on technicalities, but actually rule on the substance of these problems. Maybe a lot of you will disagree with me. I'm, I'm sure a lot of you will disagree with me, but I will not be told. This is true. I will not be told that the church teaches other than the truth about abortion. I will not be told that. You can tell me that you don't agree with me. You can tell me that you don't like what the church teaches. You can tell me that you're ignoring what the church teaches and you don't feel there's going to be any consequence to that. You can tell me all of that. But you cannot tell me, nor can Joe Biden, that he is following the precepts of the church. Nor will I be told that I'm not allowed to speak that which my church teaches, because that is despotism. And frankly, I'm less upset about that, oddly enough, than the fact that the brakes are being put on dealing with Catholic politicians who advocate what is sinful and try to gaslight the rest of us by telling us that it's really a matter of sanctity. It's not sinful. It's a matter of sanctity. It's a good. It's a very great good. And if our church leaders hear that, because that is what is being said, and say, let's dialogue some more, there is no common ground here. Either it is wrong or it is not. Either the politician follows the church or he or she does not. And if they do not, they should not be receiving communion unless they do what the rest of us do. They go to confession, confess, and say they will sin no more. Whether they do sin or not, well, we know we will. But there has to be the intent. That's not a matter of worthiness. It's a matter of simply following the commonsensical reality of our faith. I'm going to go a little further. If the church at some point were ever to suggest or say that abortion were not a sin, then we know that the counter church or the shadow church or whatever you want to call it has obscured the truth, has obscured the true church, which will still be there, but simply is not being seen by many 
people generally and certainly by many Catholics who prefer to go their own way but want someone to say it's okay to do things that are morally problematic. So what's going to happen now with regard to any kind of formal response to Joe Biden or will any decision be held in abeyance in the name of dialogue and unity while everything is falling apart? I can't say. But, and I'm sure this is going to come up again in other programs, the thing that I'm going to try to do, and I pray that other Catholics in similar situations or feelings as I have, will simply try to just keep our eye on the prize, keep focused on the truths of the church, keep focused on prayer. Um, there are quite a few Catholic podcasters. Um, I've mentioned several in the past, but they talk about saying the rosary. We really do need the rosary. We need to do spiritual battle with the grace of our Lord and with the help of his mother, the Blessed Virgin. We can't do it ourselves. We can't fight this by logic because we are living in a logical time, a time of frenzied illogic. And I find that the more intelligent people are, the worse is the illogic in a strange sort of way which makes me think that I'm not very intelligent, apparently. I don't get these distortions. I try to content myself or soothe myself with the idea of what Cardinal Newman said, God knows what he is about. He knows what he is about. Whatever feels impossible now, and it surely does, he will change the hearts of mankind. Somehow, somewhere, sometime. Well, so ends another episode of Ordinary Old Catholic Me. I'm going to go back to my laundry after ranting for a while. I worry sometimes when I do a program like this that people will get mad at me. But you know what? People will get mad at me no matter what I do at some point or another. So if you're standing for the truth or you believe that you truly are standing for the truth, then I guess you have to do it without concern about people getting angry at you and recognizing that you care about them too and you're really just trying to make your way along the road and bring others with you hopefully to heaven if if everything goes well enough see you next week <laughs> <laughs>